Good morning, basketball fans. Welcome to this week's edition of the Small College Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cottrell. With more than 10 years of NCAA Division I and Division II men's basketball coaching experience, with relationships in college basketball across the nation and across all levels. Every week I work to bring you the only podcast with news, scores, highlights, and insight from men's basketball at the NCAA Division II, NCAA Division III, NAIA, NCCAA, and the USCAA levels. Combined, these levels of college basketball beyond Division I account for nearly 1,200 small colleges and universities across the country. We are here to celebrate their basketball programs, players, coaches, and history together. The Small College Basketball Podcast is a production of smallcollegebasketball.com and founder John McCarthy on a mission to unite all people with a passion for small college basketball. Welcome back, small college basketball fans, and what a week it's been across the board in small college basketball. Traditions upheld, upsets at the top, and come from behind wins across all levels. This week, we will continue our series of interviews with some of the best small college basketball coaches across the country. This week, it is my pleasure to welcome the head men's basketball coach of Loyola University, New Orleans, Coach Stacy Hollowell. Coach Hollowell has been the head men's basketball coach at the University of Loyola, New Orleans for eight years, including this season. Currently, they are ranked number one in the country atop the NAIA Top 25 Coaches Poll. They have a record of 17-1, and coming off a convincing win over William Carey University this past weekend. In his eight years at Loyola, Coach Hollowell has an overall record of 146 wins and 78 losses. His overall winning percentage, 65%, good for second all-time among Loyola men's basketball coaches. He's advanced the Wolfpack to the NAIA National Tournament each of the last three seasons, four of his seven seasons overall. Hollowell has led Loyola to six straight winning seasons, including a Sweet 16 berth in the 2021 season. Previously, the year before, the year of the pandemic, Loyola was 23-10 and 10 with 21 regular season wins, which was a program record, earned them the sixth seed in the NAIA National Championship, only to see that season shortened due to COVID. Coach Hollowell's mentored eight NAIA All-American selections. This season, Loyola was selected number five preseason in the top 25. They were tabbed to win the Southern States Athletic Conference Coach Hollowell, big-time success in your first seven seasons as the head coach. Big-time expectations this year. Thank you for joining the Small College Basketball Podcast today. Well, it's good to be here and to visit with you, and you had plenty of information there that I had no idea about, so thank you. <laughs> well, congratulations. You're off to, a, uh, off to a great start as the head coach at the University of Loyola. Let's get right into it. Talk a little bit first, Coach, if you would, just about your institution, NAIA, Loyola University of New Orleans. Uh, if you would, just take a moment, tell us about your institution and your history there. Uh, Loyola, New Orleans is a Jesuit Catholic uh, university in uptown New Orleans. We are uh, on St. Charles Avenue and uh, sit right behind the St. Charles streetcar line. 
right next to Tulane University. Uh, school started in the in the 1900s and uh, early 1900s, and um, has a long, proud tradition. And uh, I took over there in 20, I guess 2014, 15, and uh, just have enjoyed working with the group and working at the school and. Uh, hope to continue to build on what we've kind of set a, you know, set in motion. Very good. And you were uh, an assistant coach at Loyola before you became the head coach. Uh, what was that transition like and what do you attribute your success to so far? Well, I worked for uh, a guy named Mike Giorlando, who is, uh, you know, next to my grandfather, probably the second best man I've ever been around. He's just a fantastic human being. Uh, he cares for people, uh, and he cared a lot about his guys. Um, when I got there, I had just come from overseas and, uh, I told him, I said, coach, we need to, we need to just get some, some guys, you know, I've been to Senegal recently. I lived in Lithuania recently and like, let's just get some guys. And he said, they've got to be able to do the work here and they've, they've got to be able to cover their books and fees. And, um, so let's, let's keep going to get, you know, the strong academic guys. And, and we did, and, uh, and we, and we built on that and, um, you know, we were able to, we were able to kind of level up a little at a time. And that's, you know, I think it's a, a you know, kind of points to the kids that we've brought in, um, Terry Smith Jr. is a fifth-year guy for us. And, um, you know, he came behind a guy named Johnny Griffin Jr. who is from Chicago, and Terry Smith is from Chicago. So they, they kind of, I guess Johnny being here kind of helped uh, TJ. And then uh, he had a, TJ had a really good freshman year, um, but helped us recruit other guys and he's really you know he's he's never been an all-american player um and and probably should be um but he's had to sacrifice numbers wise because of the success of zach reitzel and miles burns and um tj is three points away from 1500 points and uh he's over 900 rebounds if i'm not mistaken uh, Miles Burns hit 1,500 points last night, and he's, you know, chasing TJ for the rebounds. Zach Reitzel's over 1,700 points, and he's chasing 1,000 rebounds. And so, you know, I think we were able to to build uh, in some way because TJ was um, willing to take a back seat, kind of personally with his own numbers uh, for the betterment of our of our team. And uh, we're seeing some benefits of that now. Yeah, terrific. And we're going to get into each one of your uh, individual players that you had mentioned. We're going to get into them here coming up. But I want to go back a little bit. You've had a lot of success, as we mentioned, in your first uh, seven and into your eighth season as the head coach. Your best year might have been the pandemic year two years ago, 2019-2020. You're 23-10. and You're ranked 21st in the country. Uh, you just came off a Southern States Athletic Conference Tournament Championship game appearance. 
uh, you were the sixth seed heading into the NAI national tournament. And that season was canceled, of course, due to the pandemic. How did that cancellation impact your program? And how have you been able to navigate uh, the pandemic to this point and continue your success? Well, I don't know if you remember that um, kind of the, the way that unfolded. So we had the, the national tournament call and it must've been maybe 11 o'clock central time. And then they canceled the tournament at maybe 12, 15, 12, 30. Mm-hmm. And so it was a big dramatic turn of events from, Hey, these teams are staying at this hotel and these teams are staying at this hotel. And then it was shut down. And so, mm-hmm. um, at that time, most of our campus had, you know, most of the students had, had gone home and, um, so it was deflating in some ways. We, we felt really good about our prospects that year and, and liked our matchups, uh, look, kind of looking through the bracket. Um, but the guys never really complained about it. And, um, and I think that's been a hallmark of this group. We've had so many bumps in the road, um, our own COVID shutdowns in that first year. Uh, our opponents COVID shutdowns and we, you know, we lost games, um, you know, moving into this year and the hurricane hits uh, hurricane Ida hits early in the season and the uncertainty of whether or not we'd even be able to play. Um, no complaints. I pulled the guys together. We went to Dallas and had a training camp there. No complaints about that guys got there on their own, paid their own way and made it happen. We get back, you know, new COVID protocols in place and um, they just have rolled with the punches and they know that they can only control what they can control. And um, it's easy to say that, but this group has really put that into play. Yeah. And I think uh, you've talked about uh, some of the navigations you've made through COVID, obviously Hurricane Ida this past fall. Um, you know, last year with protocols in place, you finished 15 and six and uh, you advanced, you know, through COVID, through that challenging year of playing during the pandemic, you were able to advance to the quarterfinals of the NAIA Men's Basketball National Championship. You fall to Lewis and Clark State in overtime. Uh, it's the first time that Loyola, New Orleans has advanced that far since 1946. Describe that experience last year to, to go that far and navigating that season with such a, a good group of kids. We, we lost our point guard maybe halfway into that season, our starting point guard. And uh, Zach Muller stepped in for us and played point guard and led us through the conference tournament and, and into the national tournament. And um, he was injured with eight minutes left in regulation of that elite eight game. Uh, and we played our third string point guard who was playing with the meniscus tear. We just didn't have enough to get over the hump. And uh, you know, it's people tell you good luck all the time. And that's, I think really what it's about, you know, not so much good luck on if the ball's falling in or not, but you know, that your guys can stay healthy and that you can endure. And, um, you know, that season was, 
was really up and down, a lot of stops and starts. Um, we ended up splitting our conference into to an East and a West division. Uh, so we played we played uh, Stillman five times. We played William Carey five times, and uh, you know the guys are kind of tired of seeing each other, but also <laughs> gained each other's respect. And um, and I I do feel like you know even though we we dropped you know, five games in the regular season or whatever it was um, that playing William Carey five times last year and Stillman five times really helped us prepare for the national tournament because we were playing uh, really good competition uh, and, and really well-coached teams. Yeah. Uh, this season you've continued the success. You are currently number one in the nation in NAIA. You sit at 17 and one, just came off a win over the weekend against uh, William Carey. After you lost your first game of the year to Faulkner University last week, uh, and before your first loss, Coach, your, your program went through a three-game postponement. We've talked about this. You mentioned it uh, and going through it last season. Every team, it seems like, will go through this at some point during the course of this basketball season. How did you handle that week, uh, that stretch of games where you were off did you learn anything about your team that may be helpful if you have to go through that kind of pause again uh, coming up this year? Well, I don't, I don't think that we will have to go through this, the pause for the same reason that we just went through one. Um, and CDC changed guidance on the, the, the boosted and what vaccination or what vaccinated meant. And, um, and we lagged behind there a little bit. And so, part of that was kind of just miscommunication. Uh, we had one positive, but we ended up uh, with some guys unboosted and, and that shut us down. And when we shut down, um, we had one guy go get his knee looked at and another guy go have another, you know, checkup kind of situation. And so we just didn't have, we didn't have practice that week at all, which is not like anything that we've had in the past. Right. Uh, but, you know, all year this season, we've heard about our depth and how good our depth is. And, um, and we knew going to Faulkner this past week was going to be a difficult challenge. Um, but we just didn't, we didn't play well. And, and I thought Faulkner played well. And Scott Sanderson does an unbelievable job coaching. And um, so, yeah, we, we, we dropped one. I don't know that we can really take much away from this past week just because that, that type of situation won't happen again. Um, but again, we can only control what we can control. And uh, the guys that were still out there, whether it was four or five, um, continued to work out and do their best to stay in shape. And, um, you know, if it happened again, I guess we would we would go about it the same way. Just keep working hard and keep our heads down. I think, um, you know, we had a 23-day layoff between um, our game against LSU Shreveport, which would have been maybe December 9th, and then when we returned, uh, I believe the game was January 2nd against Fort Lauderdale. And we won the Fort Lauderdale game uh, by, I think it was 18 points, but we just didn't play well. Every ball that came off the backboard or pass we tried to catch was bobbled and it just wasn't clean basketball. 
I told our guys, if you guys play like that against Mobile tomorrow night, you, you're going to lose. And Mobile had us down 16 off the bat. Um, and we, it, I'm, it was just rhythm, I think, you know, not being able to pass and catch cleanly while on the run. And uh, we bounced back. We played uh, January 6th against Dalton State and had a really good game there. So just got to find ways to keep that flow and that rhythm. How And how hard was it for you, kind of going off the script here, but how hard has it been for you, I guess, a Dallas training camp, uh, Hurricane Ida navigating, you know, navigating COVID, just keeping that flow? What, what have you found that's been successful? And then what have your guys seemed to, to do really well with it? You try to maintain that flow. Uh, we've narrowed, we've narrowed um, the scope of what we do in practice. Um, a lot of up and down, you know, maybe fewer breakdowns than we've done in the past uh, and just let them play the way that we are going to play every day. And I think that's been probably most helpful to us just jumping back into what is, um, this is what we do in practice and this is what we're going to do in practice. And, and the guys have responded well to it to this point. And as we talk about your season, you know, I want to dive into the Southern States Athletic Conference a little bit. You know, uh, you were picked to win the conference this year, preseason. Uh, nationally, you are ranked number one. Talladega College ranked number three nationally. Stillman College had been ranked. They are currently receiving votes. Uh, we mentioned Faulkner University currently receiving votes in the most recent coaches poll. You know, that postponement uh, included Talladega and Stillman. Will those games get made up, do you think? Is that something the league is looking at doing? Well, that's something that we're all discussing now. Um, the week of February 5th through 12th, there's some some space, and we're trying to make up games. And uh, there will be a trip for us where we travel to Blue Mountain and Stillman and uh, I think we're going to try to make that Talladega game up at Talladega. Um, I can't speak for the other teams in the league, but I, I know that there is, you know, a desire for us to get all those games in. Absolutely. That's great news. And, and so when you talk about preparing your team and maintaining your team's mindset throughout some of this uh, challenge, you know, how do you, how do you get your team ready? How do you keep them ready uh, to play maybe two of the top teams in the country twice inside of like 25 days? Well, we have some guys that have big professional aspirations and they always seem to show up in the more difficult games. Um, but if, you know, if you want to have a, the career that we're talking about, you need to double down and, and do well. And so th they know that um, we talk about complacency and what it means to be a number one team and how teams respond when they play number one teams. And, um, you know, when, when you are a number one, even I'd say top 10, you end up in a lot of cases being, you know, a championship game for someone. And uh, it's tough to, it's tough to maintain that. It's tough to maintain you know, the humility of 15 young guys 
um, but you have to keep talking about it. And unfortunately, we we were humbled in a in a, a different way. And your team right now, Loyola University in New Orleans, you play in the Southern States Athletic Conference. How do you feel like your league is shaping up? Obviously, a strong league with multiple teams receiving votes or in the NAIA Top 25. How is your league shaping up? Is it kind of what you expected? Well, anything you can you can see coming down the line uh, in, in terms of how that Southern States Athletic Conference is, is coming together towards the end of the season? Going into the year, I thought we could be a five to seven team uh, bid league. Um, you know, William Carey is really talented, but they've just been hobbled all year by injuries and the COVID bug. And um, you know, Dalton State is really talented. I thought they might sneak in there. Um, Darnell Archie, the coach at Mobile, is he does a fantastic job. Um, and then there's, you know, the four teams that were tournament teams last year, Loyola, Talladega, Faulkner, and Stillman. Um, you know, Stillman and Faulkner are the same. Well, Stillman for sure is the same team that they were last year. Uh, a team that, you know, went to Kansas City, played in the Sweet 16. Um, Faulkner went to Kansas City last year, so... The competition in our league is, I think, really, really strong, probably underestimated on some levels. I think most guys would say that about their league, but um, not too many of those leagues can say that they had three teams, uh, you know, go to Kansas City last year. That would be us and probably the crossroads. Yeah, and and as we look at, you know, what could be coming down the line for your team in league play – and the top 25, Loyola University, you are the top of the country in scoring offense. Uh, Talladega is one of the stingiest defenses in the country, uh, as well as in the Southern States Conference. Like that matchup, um, what could fans expect? If you're not familiar with small college basketball, obviously that's a great matchup in terms of the rankings and the numbers. What would a small college basketball fan expect when Loyola and Talladega take the floor and get up and down? Obviously, don't give anything away. <laughs> uh, two teams that that are uh, passionate about winning and that hate to lose. Uh, two very athletically gifted teams and talented teams. Um, I would say Talladega has the revenge factor on their side, you know, given our opening round game last year um and both of us now are one lost team so uh, when we do get to play each other that should be should be a lot of fun yeah and 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 so as you look at last year you look at this year um, your roster is very similar at the top uh coming into the season you mentioned previously zach reitzel uh miles burns both of whom were all americans last season you also returned Andrew Faba and Terry Smith Jr., who were seniors on last year's team. After advancing so far into the NAIA National Tournament, what were your conversations like when that season ended uh, with Andrew Faba, with Terry Smith Jr., about returning to play for one more year? What kind of motivation uh, did they have and did your team have coming into this season? 
uh, there weren't really any conversations. They were both excited to return. Um, Terry's situation was a little bit different because he had, he had not started grad school yet, but um, they knew that we had something special in the works. Uh, they both made it very clear that they wanted to come back and um, they've just been a blessing to work with. Very good. And your team, your team, any extra motivation coming into this season after advancing and falling into overtime, anything that maybe you took away from last year that you were able to add to this season? When we finished that game, you know, I just told them, I hope that they would remember that feeling um, so that we don't experience it, you know, when we get back. And um, I would say, they know that they've dropped some games in the past um, that they should not have uh, out of, out of complacency. And, uh, I, you know, that's probably the, the added motivation is let's not drop games unnecessarily. And let's see if we can do better than we did last year in Kansas city. Yeah, and, and so talk about those returners on your team. Zach Reitzel, 6'7", kind of a wing forward. He's averaging 16 points per game, eight rebounds per game. Back in November, he had 24 and 21 uh, points and rebounds, respectively, against science and arts. He's top five in your league in scoring. What does Zach Reitzel mean to your team this year? So Zach is very steady, very level-headed uh, very strong, gives us versatility. Um, we can play him at the one. We can play him at the three. We can play him at the four, the five. Uh, he goes to rebound. He moves the ball, sees the floor, uh, scores around the basket really well. Uh, so he gives us a lot of versatility. He's got a big personality, brings life and joy to the group. Uh, and is just a really special person all around. And and your other returning All-American, you mentioned previously, Miles Burns, 6'6", six, six, same kind of guard forward, uh, had an amazing game this past Saturday, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, uh, so a triple-double. He added seven steals to that. In that game, Miles Burns eclipsed 1,500 points for his career. He joined Zach Reitzel is the second player in program history to do so. Uh, on the year, he's averaging 12 points a game, nine rebounds per game, and four assists per game. Talk about uh, Miles Burns and what he means to your team this season, what it's like to have him back again. Miles impacts the game in so many ways. He'll, he will be chasing down 300 steals uh, for his career. Um you know, by the end of this season, might pass 300 steals. And he set the school record for steals uh, about midway through his sophomore year. He tied the school single season rebounding record as a freshman. Um, he can score it. He can pass it. Uh, he gets more deflections and steals than, than anyone I've ever been around. Um He's almost like a, you know, you go to swing at a house fly and they see things in slow motion. I think Miles kind of sees things in slow motion. He's just so quick uh, to get to the ball. Phenomenal athlete, 
great person, brings great energy. Um, so another guy that, you know, just gives us a spark. Uh, he was, he was out sick last week and wasn't able to play against Faulkner and, uh, came back first two practices back. You could tell he just wasn't himself and was a little worried going into the Saturday game, you know, as to whether or not he would be able to be effective or as effective as he had been. And he just doubled down and hit 15 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists and seven steals. Um, so came back off of COVID and had his first career triple double. That's speaks a lot to, to who he is as a player. Yeah. Having those two, having those two back, obviously really important, uh, adding them to guys like Andrew favor and Terry Smith jr. Gives you some great continuity in your program. Something that, that I noticed is newcomer, Brandon Davis, uh, he's averaging 15 points per game, four assists per game. It seems like he's been able to fit into your program seamlessly and into this year's team seamlessly. Describe his symmetry uh, with those top four returners we just mentioned. So Brandon is a very, uh, I'd say, quiet, patient, humble, steady person. Uh, doesn't get rattled very easily or if at all. Um he came in knowing that, you know, we had a kind of a decent um, sized playbook and was eager to learn everything. Uh, has no ego. I mean, last night he had hit zero points. I think he had uh, maybe five assists and four rebounds or, you know, four assists and five rebounds. And we won. And we won big. And he defended hard. He moved the ball, didn't force much. Um, and then he'll turn around and have you know, 20 plus. <laughs> and he's just, uh, he shoots it really, really well. Um, I mean, we'll, I'll watch him shoot on the gun and he'll shoot 500 shots and walk away at 77% and like it's nothing. Um, and he's shooting close to 50% from the three point line and, can finish at the rim and makes good reads off the bounce. So absolutely love him and love having him on our team. And, uh, and our guys love having him on our team. Very good. And looking at your team overall, you know, we talked a little bit about your individual players, uh, but your team at Loyola coach is number two in NAIA in scoring. You're averaging 88 points per game. I'm curious to your style of play offensively because you don't shoot a ton of threes. Uh, so what are you emphasizing offensively and how would you describe your style of play? Is that right? We don't shoot a bunch of threes. It, I, I mean, that's what I, that's what I saw. You're, you're, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The percentage isn't as high as I was expecting it to be when I, when I was doing my research. We walked away the other night. We had, you know, we took 30 and it was, uh, <laughs> um, from style of play, we want to get out and run uh, when we can. And we want to be methodical and execute when we can't. And, um, you know, we have guys that defend hard and defend hard in long spurts. Uh, we don't have to sub guys in every two to three minutes to, to do what we do defensively. Um, but we, we get to the rim when we can. We move the ball and try to shoot open shots from the perimeter when we can't. Um, 
I think we kind of turned a corner early in the year when we realized that we were we were getting steals, but we just weren't being effective on the offensive end. Uh, I also didn't know that we were second in the, the nation in scoring. Yeah, 88 points per game. <laughs> well, um, the guys that bought in, they moved the basketball. Uh, probably the most unselfish group that I've been around. And uh, that, that makes my job a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I've, I feel fortunate to be able to experience it the way that we have so far. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, we've talked about great players. Obviously, style of play uh, has a lot to do with it. Their buy-in has a lot to do with your success. Uh, but with that success and that recent success comes with high expectations. Uh, talked a little bit about bouncing back from last year's loss uh, to end your season, how you've been able to manage some of the pauses. But number one in the country, you're picked to win your conference. You talked about maintaining that humility. Expand on that and how you're managing the expectations as you go through this year. Well, we, you know, we just, we have to talk about it day in and day out. And again, talk about the approach that our opponents are going to have. You know, they're, they're going to give us their best every night. And, um, and we've got to be sharp uh, in order to kind of match that uh, almost adrenaline. You know, sometimes you see guys just go into this zone, and a lot of it is, I think, adrenaline-based, focus-based maybe. I don't even really know how to describe it, but um, the Mobile guys, when we played them, had it. You know, they – probably hit four threes at the at the shot clock buzzer in that game but they were just locked in they, they didn't really miss um Jalen Perry when we played Faulkner he, he didn't miss many uh Garmendia for Faulkner didn't miss many and um so if if you're not locked in and engaged as a number one team you're gonna have nights where you struggle um you know, going back to, to what you ask about the beginning of the, the season and managing expectations for, uh, I guess, coming off last year's national tournament run. Um, you know, we, we set the expectation for ourselves. I mean, we, we want to be back there. We, we want to win a national championship. It would mean a lot for our school and it would mean a lot for New Orleans for us to win a national championship. So um, we have big expectations. Um, and we just have to keep preparing, uh, I guess, the way that we did uh, at our 10-day Dallas camp uh, to get ready for the season. We just, we've got to prepare to win a national championship. And, and Coach, I love that approach. I love uh, how you've been able to manage everything uh, from the start of the pandemic uh, through last year. Obviously, the hurricane, the Dallas training camp, you've been able to really it seems like maintain uh, continuity within your program. And so I want to acknowledge you as we start to, to tr trend to the ending of the podcast and to the interview. Uh, I want to acknowledge you for all that you've done uh, for basketball, small college basketball, especially the service to your student athletes at Loyola since you've been there. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of great relationships you've built along the way. And, and, and coach, I want to ask, Having been an assistant coach at multiple levels and serving throughout the world as a head coach, specifically 
Uh, you were at LLC International University in Lithuania. You mentioned uh, coaching overseas. You know, how would you describe the quality of play at the NAIA level? What would you tell, you know, someone who's new to that level of basketball or just watching it for the first time? Because one thing we're trying to do with small college basketball is to expose these levels beyond Division One, and, 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 and the NAI level has such good play. How would you describe that to someone else on the outside? Uh, more athletic than you would think. Um, much better coaching than you would think. Uh, much better. Um, and a talent level that's not far off of any other level. Uh, I, and I felt this way overseas, you know, I, we coached in, in, in Qatar and, um, the difference between being really, really good and good is minute. And, uh, if you can clean up some details, uh, you got a chance to be really, really good. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that most people that see us play are surprised that it's the NAI level and you look last night the kid for, from William Jessup jumped completely over a guy yeah you know um, social media and uh, the, the video that's available on you know through sports information now uh, the NAI hoops report guys you guys uh, helping get the word out about our level is uh, is just going to help I think the NAI grow yeah, we're so we're so excited to do so. We've done a lot of interviews recently with NAI head coaches. And so uh, we're just thrilled to have the content that we have and to be able to provide it on not only social media, but also the podcast now. Coach, why don't you get you out of here on, on one note? Be respectful of your time as you're in the middle of the season and you got a lot to prep for, a lot to plan for, but you've been at Loyola now for a number of years. Uh, you've been around the world coaching basketball. What does small college basketball mean to you? Well, it, it gives me a chance to do what I love, um, to do it on a, a, uh, on a nice level um, at a first-class institution like Loyola University, New Orleans. Um, and it allows me some time with my family as well. And uh, that piece has been huge. Um, before I came to Loyola, I was overseas and my wife was in Dallas and we didn't see each other at all. Um, so really grateful for that. Uh, really grateful to be at Loyola where they give us the uh, the resources to, to do well. And... Um, yeah, just excited to have the opportunity to be a small college basketball coach. Well, Coach Hallwell, really appreciate all of your time. Uh, appreciate all you do for your student athletes and all you do at Loyola. Want to wish you the best of luck going forward. Uh, some big matchups coming up. We'll keep an eye on your schedule, see how those adjustments play into the end of your season. But uh, thank you so much for joining the Small College Basketball Podcast today. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's Small College Basketball Podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe for weekly episodes and interviews devoted to the incredible programs, players, coaches, and history of small college basketball. Please leave a review if you enjoyed listening to this episode and use the links attached to this episode to share the Small College Basketball Podcast. The Small College Basketball Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. You can follow the Small College Basketball Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Please visit our website, www.smallcollegebasketball.com.